It might be impossible to find a place on the earth which has not been affected or impacted by the coronavirus. For most people, that's not horribly serious, but like the flu, it does have a mortality rate. Much more dangerous and risky is the reaction, overreaction, and seemingly one-upsmanship of the government ratcheting up the forced isolation by closing schools, canceling any and all events, and closing businesses. It's like every country has a closed sign out front. As I want to do, I turn to movie scenes for pithy quips. The movie Speed provides a perfect borrowed line. Pop quiz, hotshot. The world has a virus and the stores are out of food. What are you going to do? The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 80. Yo, welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food's on you. Hello, folks. Stan Reid here, the Culinary Libertarian. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Slide over to my podcast's page, culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts, to find all the previous shows and show notes pages with MP3 players, links to guest pages, and more. From that podcast's page, you can follow the Culinary Libertarian on Twitter or Instagram, or join us in the Eating Liberty Facebook group. Click the hyperlink support word to bop over to my support page, where you'll see all the podcatcher links which carry the Culinary Libertarian podcast, affiliate banners including Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, McClanahan Academy, Tico's Desserts Yum, where you'll learn to make tarts and torts in your kitchen, and Cranky Without Coffee, my e-commerce mug store. I add mug designs frequently, and some of those designs are in the spirit of the times, or just plain fun, or sometimes a bit zesty. Also, when you listen to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher, leave a rating and a review. That helps the digital mice know to move the show up, so we grow our audience. My guest today is Suzanne Sherman. I've asked Suzanne to speak about getting and being prepared for unexpected circumstances which might prevent you from getting out and about. Suzanne is a prepper, a hunter, and a canning putter-upper and has some suggestions for how to start if you haven't, it's not too late, and how to plan for your needs and wants. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you for joining me today on the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. I'm happy to be back joining you. Thank you so much. Well, my pleasure. Boy, this has been some change since your last visit. As of this recording, last night, Governor Newsom closed California. Now, that's not actually exactly the case, but it certainly makes people pay attention. Uh, I've read that some countries are mandating vaccines. The world seems to be on fire and the government wants to measure the height of the flames. But speaking of last time, we spoke about canning and putting up food. Who knew it would be the primer or the primer for the end of the world? So today I want to talk about prepping for the end of the world or at least for the government's version of that. 
So up until last week or so, preppers were seen as the tinfoil-wearing crowd, much to be scoffed at as opposed to appreciated. Uh, this week, at least they're appreciated. So let's start with what does it mean to be a prepper, and is there any kind of a codification for that? You know, it's interesting because as, as you just mentioned, we were a contingency that the mainstream was really laughing at. And as we discussed on my last appearance, I literally changed my life to live a life of preparedness. I gave up a home, a law practice in the state of California, moved to the mountains of Utah. And a lot of people thought I was crazy, but those same people now are saying, hey, can we come up and stay with you? So preparedness really in the mainstream you know, when I when I was talking about this before all this happened, people would tell me, hey, you know, I grew up in West Virginia and this is just what people did. This actually used to be the lifestyle, but now we've gotten to the point where, you know, people don't even prepare their own food anymore. And, and case in point, you can go to any grocery store and many of the um, already ready-made products are getting in short supply. But I just went to Whole Foods in Park City, plenty of fresh produce to be found. In fact, I went and got one big last supply of fresh produce while everybody's gathering up toilet paper. I've got a big vat full of fresh uh, homemade soup and greens and ready to go. And then I can also incorporate my stockpile on that as well. So preparedness really should enter the mainstream again as common sense, nothing like the doomsday prepper garbage that you saw when that show was out there, people running around bugging out and have hazmat suits shooting their thumbs off. You know, don't look to stuff like that to learn about preparedness. Listen to people who are trying to approach this from a common sense angle. And one of the things I know we're going to address at the end of this segment is, you know, if you haven't started preparing yet, please don't be discouraged. I want people to check out my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. I am writing out a blog every day of positive encouragement. If you're on Facebook, I just launched a new page called the Red Hot Chili Prepper, and I will be having supportive messages of encouragement, getting away from the doomsday negativity. So that is really to answer your question in a very long-winded format, what we should really take uh, to the table when we talk about preparedness. One of the, I, th I think one of the real problems is there's so many unknowns. When's it going to come? How long is it going to act? How long will it last? How much do you need? Three months? Six months? I, I think that those are, I think they're good questions. And I think that part of that depends on your own space issues and your own resources. Uh, but there's also inventory management. So how do you, you know, first in, first out? There's a lot of stuff. So what, what can one do? How can one assess the situation? to figure out where do I begin? I mean, what, what are the main points I need to think about if I want to start preparing for a life that's not familiar to me? Well, and this is how preparedness can encompass everybody in, in society and not just those of us that, you know, prognosticate the end of the world as we know it. Everybody should be prepared because we all expect calamities um, that we might not have accounted for in a time spectrum, but everybody can get sick. Everybody can lose their job. As we're seeing now in this current situation, people are forced to shut down their businesses. I don't really know of many people, unless they work in government, who aren't, uh, who aren't suffering from what's happening right now. 
So plan on the stuff that's just common. What is most likely to happen? You could get sick. There could be a, a big storm, some sort of a natural disaster. It could be just don't feel like cooking one night. Guess what? You can go to your pantry and open up a, a, a can of uh, pressure canned chili, something else you've made. Or you can go farther out and plan on something in the longer term. What we're seeing now is people are being told, like where you are, that they have to stay home. Now, yes, they can go out and get groceries, but as a situation becomes precarious, there was a lady, and I think it was South Lake Tahoe, who was attacked outside of a Raley's and her groceries were stolen from her. So it's going to be maybe less uh, safe or optimal to go out and get fresh supplies right now. So I would say people want to hunker down and be well stocked. Do it because of the response to this virus and not the virus itself. Taking this away from the virus situation, assess your situation, stop, think what is most likely to affect you and who are you most likely to have to provide for, meaning your immediate family, who lives in your home. If you have small children, what kind of food are you going to keep? They might not want to eat MREs or freeze-dries food, so you might want to think about what they're going to eat and what you're going to also enjoy and what's going to be beneficial for you. One thing I tell people that... Uh, are just getting into preparedness right now. I was tempted to do the same thing because I also felt like I was behind the eight ball is please resist the urge, the temptation to go to these food prepar uh, preparedness sites, emergency sites, and order a year's supply of freeze-dried food buckets. First of all, they're very expensive. Second of all, again, I've written an article about this on my website. There is a warning, a health warning. If you just rely on that food for your sustenance, ultimately it will kill you. So please plan on having a different, a various, uh, varied supply of foods. We can get into that as well. Think also about yeah, water. Hang on, Suzanne. Hours. Yeah, sure. Suzanne, let me interrupt you for one second. My wife is calling yeah. me, so hang on. Just a second oh, call. Okay, standing by. I like, I like her. <laughs> Um, all right. How far back do you want to back up? No, I think well, we're pretty good because we were just talking about, you know, the, the mindset of what to do. And so we, it's kind of interesting that we were just talking about, <laughs> got a call about that. So, um, yeah, I think we were, we were leaving off with food. I think I was just going to touch on oh, yeah, water and, uh, that's sort of Okay. I think another thing people need to realize is a lot of people think that you don't need to stock up on water because the plumbing's still working and so on and so forth. But we have to remember there are actual human beings that have to keep up on the maintenance of this. And if this does drag out and a lot of people can't show up to work, uh, they're sick or they just don't want to get out, you might lose this water. So please plan on maybe three gallons of water per day is the recommended Plan on your animals as well. Again, when we take into account who we need to factor in, not only just the people in the family, but our critters as well. So water, and I'm telling people shelter right now is also critical, but right now that's not an issue. We're not talking about a natural disaster, you know, where homes are lost to hurricanes or earthquakes, tornadoes. Although we did have an earthquake here in Utah the other day. So it's been kind of crazy out here. So just again, Think about what you need, assess your situation, taking into consideration your environment and your surroundings. Right. Well, that's a good lead into what seems to be most urgent, which is a go bag. Now, <clears throat> when I 
when I thought of this as, as a topic, <laughs> we were still mobile. Now, that, that's, I'm, there's a whole issue here about the constitutionality or legality of telling people they can't leave their houses. And I think that that's exactly the case, but that's not this episode. So uh, having, having a go bag, what should you have in it? What should be in it? Where are you going to go is a whole other issue. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. And a lot of people call them a go bag or a get home bag. And you can tweak them depending on what you're you're planning for. So a go bag could be if you have to leave your home, your place of residence right away. Again, some people, a great idea of five-gallon buckets. If you know you can put them in a car, you might have to have a backpack. If you plan on walking out and bugging out, I don't think we're in this kind of scenario yet. But to answer your question, I would have at this point, if you're going to go and stay with family, have stuff like a tote or a bucket per person, you know, diapers for kids, medication, if you have an elderly family member, consider toys, stuff like that so you can be mobile and get out. And it's interesting because when this just started to unravel, I was actually in Tennessee over the weekend and my original flight home was supposed to stop through Los Angeles where LAX was just undergoing chaos with the backup through uh, the, I guess, the questionnaires they were having to see if people had been exposed. And then there's also a military uh, quarantine set up there. So I really did not want to be anywhere near LAX. Unfortunately, because I flew out there, I couldn't have what I wanted in a go bag, meaning a knife, meaning a firearm and ammunition, extra water, extra supplies that you would need. So I was caught out without it. Fortunately, we were reactionary uh, or we were proactive and didn't try to deal with the situation from, you know, behind the airport in LAX. And I got on a direct flight out from Nashville to Utah. But again, a go bag, think about what your needs are. And I would I would focus on this scenario right now, uh, uh, what you need to get each person to another situation and whether or not you want to carry a firearm depends on you know, your your values and what the laws are in your state and if you want to just ignore them. So again, water, some sort of temporary shelter if you need it, light, a way to have some light and some food, that sort of thing. Multi-tools, depends again on where you're traveling right. and what you're going through. Uh, you didn't mention um, things that you would have put up in in a canning process, uh, chili or what, I mean, it could be anything, you know, it could be, it could be stock, it could be stews, it could be stewed tomatoes, who knows what it is. So obviously we want in our larder or our pantry, uh, our broad term canned goods, but maybe legitimately canned goods because they do have a pretty decent shelf life. Um, I think that there's a way that there's, there's probably no limit to how far prepared one could go with, say, including, you know, you've got wood, you've got uh, fuel, canned fuel and a camp stove. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I guess part of the problem is the unknown. So how reasonable, unreasonable is that? I think that depends on your means. And if you live in New York City, or any other major metropolitan area, a camp stove and camp fuel, well, that might not be an easy thing to find because you don't think about these things. So uh, even though that, you know, for rural areas like yours and mine, that might be something possible, what do we keep in our pantry? Oh my gosh, that's my favorite topic. <laughs> you know, I consider food preservation and storage a matter, kind of, kind of like Legos, So one thing I do is I do can ready-made meals. I make my own, as you mentioned, soup, stews, chilies, that sort of thing. 
but I also like to have these ingredients separate so I can be very flexible. There might be a family member who doesn't want green beans in their stew or soup or, you know, doesn't want something. So you can make these as you like and you can combine not only your own preserved goods, but dehydrated foods as well. I have a whole selection of every kind of vegetable, tons of different fruits. And I also have powdered stock mixes. If you don't make your stock and you want to be mobile or don't have storage, you can buy a quart-sized jar of, of bouillon powder and make the stock that you're going to throw some soups together and, 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 and you know, make it to your own liking rather than just buying the stuff that's ready-made. So think about how you want to combine all, all of those together. And it's a, it's a great way. I also have purchased some of the um, freeze-dried meats. You know, we talked about the emergency food storage. And I, I got one rather than just buying what they call the comprehensive. You're paying a lot of money, for instance, for something very cheap like oatmeal or orange-flavored drinks. You know, you're probably paying five times as much for a, te a tablespoon of tang. Don't do that. But what I did do was buy just the meats only, and you can also add those. That's a lot more mobile, you know, if you're talking about go bags, to throw maybe a pouch or two of meat or of uh, beef or chicken or something like that in a five-gallon bucket than it is to try and bring some of these cumbersome bottles, which are subject to breakage or right. leaking. The positive about those is they are, uh, they are rodent-proof. So each has its own uh, pluses and minuses. Yeah, I didn't think about glass being rodent proof, but it's also heavy and does come with those <laughs> very real risks. All right, you. Yeah, it, it's great if you want to just use that at home, but to travel around with them, it's it's not optimal. <laughs> no, not optimal at all. All right, I want to talk about, and you mentioned it, the giant elephant in the room. But before I get to that, I'm going to take a moment out for a word from my affiliate. Folks, there's a good chance you've been asked to shelter in place for a while. One can only play so many rounds of euchre before the walls start to move. If you can't get to the outside world, bring the outside world to you with my affiliate link service, with my affiliate link food service, with my affiliate food service, try the world. Try the World is the first gourmet tour around the world with no plane ticket required. Use my affiliate link, culinarylibertarian.com slash try the world, and subscribe to receive a gourmet box of food ingredients from a different country such as France, Japan, or Brazil every month. Discover a dozen of the best gourmet and cultural finds in each box, accompanied by a beautiful illustrated culture guide explaining how to enjoy the food. The Signature Box subscription is $39 a box or subscribe for 3, 6, or 12 months. The box prices decrease as your subscription increases. See the website for details. Try the World also offers a snack box, five different snacks from around five different countries, Five different snacks from five different countries every month. Purchase one month at a time or subscribe for the same terms as the Signature Box subscription, three, six, or 12 months. Try the World also offers gift boxes, and they have a shop feature to purchase individual items. Travel the world on your dinner plate with Try the World. Use my affiliate link, culinarylibertarian.com slash try the world, 
to start your voyage soon. That's culinarylibertarian.com slash try the world. Now let's get back into the show. We've avoided it long enough, even though you've mentioned it. Let's talk guns. Any decent prep seems incomplete without a gun. And I know that that's a very emotional issue for a lot of people. Uh, what are some qualities a good prep gun or prepper gun needs to have? And let's be plain. What's best? A rifle? A pistol? Both? I mean, how, uh, how do we find out about gun safety where people live so that they can be at least trained to make the decision and use the tool they're going to have? Um, let's, let's unpack this back up a little bit. Uh, what is the best gun to me? I say the, the answer is yes. (laughs) It's the gun that you're going to be comfortable with the gun that you're going to shoot. And, um, some people aren't comfortable with guns, but I will tell you, uh, each gun has its own purpose. You know, you're not going to want to defend your home with a bolt action hunting gun and you know there there are pluses and minuses for home defense which is really what we're talking about here with regards to uh pistols sidearm uh, pistols shotguns or the ar-15 the bottom line is it is whatever you are comfortable shooting a gun you are going to be comfortable shooting and what's going to work for your family also taking into consideration the uh, proximity of your neighbors who else is in the home I had somebody reach out to me the other day saying, I'm thinking about getting a gun. I never wanted to do this. Uh, I'm not going to discourage somebody to get a firearm, but you know, you do have to have a lot of training. Uh, I do recommend a lot of training. I don't think it should be government mandated. So let me make that perfectly clear. But I, I am a uh, staunch supporter of using firearms for home and personal defense wherever you are. And it's, you know, a lot of people struggle with that. So my advice to you is if you have any moral or ethical dilemmas with regards to the use of lethal force at all, I would say don't do it because you don't want to hesitate. You want to be trained and have these answers uh, in your head um, well in advance. That being said, if you're amenable to having made that decision, um, good luck trying to find a range you can go to right now. Unless you have an outdoor range like I do, you might not be able to even get out there and train. So that would be one area I'd say if you haven't prepared and taken care of this, I wouldn't do it right now, but I would take advantage of this time to learn what you can online and reading about firearms and firearm safety. There's a lot of information out there. You know, obviously we've already mentioned that no one knows the future. And I think there's a pretty good track record from the past to show that uh, it is not uh, and I mentioned this is not the gun episode, but most people probably on both sides, either the yes guns or no guns, and those in the middle of the yeah buts. Um, I, I think everybody sort of envisions possibility of a Mad Max kind of a world. So since I'm asking you your opinion, uh, and you said so, just make sure are guns necessary in a proper kit? I would say absolutely. Okay. I mean, that's all, the clarification is necessary, not just preferred. No, I would say I, I would say if you, if you have the mindset and the ability and the desire to use them and have answered again any moral, ethical, spiritual questions ahead of the time, and you are no, and you are understanding that you will not hesitate to use it because if you do, you are going to be a greater liability not only to your family but to your neighbors as well. 
So if you know that you will act without hesitation and you have trained and will not shoot somebody else unintentionally, absolutely, they should be a part of any preparedness program. Yeah. And that's, I mean, this, it's, it's a, it's a weighty decision. <laughs> it's just all there is to it. Uh, let's see if we can brighten spirits a little bit in mind first. So I did mention that Governor Newsom in California uh, did issue what may or may not be a constitutional act in his state. Now, I'm not familiar with the California Constitution, but I did look at Oregon's Constitution, and Section 1 addresses natural rights, which are inherent in all people, which it says in there, and the, it's a short read, but it does refer to the people's right to alter, reform, or abolish the government if they think it necessary, followed up by Section 22, which reads, quote, the operation of the laws shall never be suspended except by the authority of the legislative assembly, end quote. Now, I'm not an attorney. You are. You're not an attorney in California. But to me, that reads pretty plain. Never is not a squishy term. Except well, identify... It also, it also- it also says except by the legislature, right? Doesn't it? It says what? Doesn't it say except by the legislature? Yes, I mean, I wasn't it reading does. this. Yeah, so there's except, your loophole. <laughs> well, but but what that reads to me is that does not read exceptions for emergencies, which I mentioned, or executive orders, which isn't mentioned. So the legislative assembly is not an assembly of one. It can't be. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, for what it matters, for, for all the good in the world we make here talking on this podcast, I, I think that there's, I think this is pretty firm. So, you know, Oregon Republicans, you know, I don't know if you care about, you know, listeners care about Republicans or Democrats, but they were very firm in their resolve that they were not going to participate in the ramrodding of the cap and trade. So Republicans in this state for particular issues have found a spine. I, I, I Facebook uh, a note to my local representative in the in the state saying I'm counting on you standing up based on what Section One and Section Twenty Two read that we're not going to be made into California. So we'll see what happens. But the constitutional the part bo- is, you think what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm just saying I, the bottom line is nobody really cares about what the Constitution say, either in the states or the federal level at this point. And when you do try to point that out, uh, people just don't care. Yeah, but this is an emergency and they have to do something. And this is where we get the slippery slope. I mean, I just pointed out the other day that, hey, universal basic income wasn't OK when Yang was proposing it. But all of a sudden, you know, Trump supporters are saying, well, this is fantastic, $1,000 for every American because we've got to get over this. You know, no founding father ever said that all this goes by the wayside in case of, uh, in case of an emergency. So I don't care what state constitutions or the national constitutions say. All of this is egregiously unethical and immoral. And I would say as a uh, profound violation of our natural God-given rights. We don't have to look to the state constitutions to see if they're acting lawfully. I think it's pretty apparent that they have no lawful authority to tell somebody who has uh, put hundreds of thousands of dollars possibly into investing into a business, you have to shut your doors because we said so. No, right. And I, th- I think, and I don't disagree with that. The yeah. The people who pay attention recognize that every usurpation of power is never given back. 
exactly. there's no give back to you. Just once, oh, well, the crisis has ended and everything's fine, but you know what? We're going to keep all of the things we took away from you. And that's, I think that's the real long game that a lot of people aren't paying attention to. And, and it's because these things go at a very slow pace and it's easy to forget what we lost in the FDR administration, what we lost, and I'm going to jump a lot, but we lost in Johnson and what we lost after 9-11. There, we, we talk about having this freedom and liberty, and I'm looking around saying, where the hell did it go? What are you talking about? So more than anything, if, if the conversation uh, about the constitutions helps the people who can prevent the change, well, then let's use them. I mean, if it's nothing more than just a useful tool to stop usurpation, let's take advantage of that. Right. You know, and the groundwork has already been laid for what we're going to see are some very draconian infringements upon our our rights to privacy. For instance, I think that the springboard that's really going to be utilized is real ID. So um, I just saw politicians saying that they're going to put people's medical records on the cloud and now they can carry them around on their smartphones. Well, what is that? Let's think of the implications for this. That's not a good idea. (laughs) So first of all, let's forget about the lack of security on there. But okay, uh, do you have your real ID? Well, what's going to be linked to your real ID? How about your medical records? Hey, did you get that uh, coronavirus 19 vaccination? No? Oh, sorry, you're not getting on this airport or on this airplane. Or guess what? We are not going to reissue your real ID. I think there are going to be a plethora of um, activities that they could ostensibly deny to us in the future, all based on what's happening now. What people don't realize is the dangers that are coming ahead from government are going to far surpass anything that we're taking uh, any chances by freely assembling today. No, I agree with that. And that's, that should be a bigger concern than it is, but it's one of the, it's, it's, it's the time preference thing. Well, we've got to get through this thing right now. So the high time preference is let's figure out how to end this virus problem. And then, we, by the time we pay attention to the long game, it's too late. The game's been won, and we don't even know it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm I, nobody's even talking about what the actual threat of this virus is. I mean, it seems like it's been tremendously overblown if you just look at the statistics. And it also appears now that there have been some treatments available that because of the incompetence of the government that haven't haven't gone out to the people. So I'm I, I'm not I'm at a loss as to what to really do about this. I am staying home. I'm I'm exercising common sense. But what also is particularly frightening is what's going to happen now to make right all these people who have lost their businesses as they say through no fault of their own, through the fault of government. Are we all going to experience significant tax increases? To make them whole again, where does where does this stop exactly? No, and that's that. That's one of the weights on my head is is the assumption that it's going to stop. I don't know for a fact that it's going to stop. I, I really do <laughs> feel like there are five lights, and you know, it's just it's 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 tough, and it's it's hard to 
see a way through to find some hope, which was what we're trying to find here. But let's get even, so let's get even smaller. We're talking about states. Let's talk about a community. A historian that both of us are familiar with and you know is Brian McClanahan. And his podcast tag is Think Locally, Act Locally. You mentioned some of this on your Podarchy, uh, Godarchy podcast appearance, which is getting out um, as, as much as your overlords will let you. Go meet your neighbors. Find mm-hmm. out, first of all, find out are they well. Now, I happen to live around a lot of elderly people, but a lot of us have gardens. So who can garden? Who can cook? Who, who's a doctor? Who has medical skills? Who, find out who your neighbors are. Go knock on a door. Leave your name and your phone number and what you can do and how can you be of help so that they can call you if they need help or they can just call you to be a community and just a little teeny community of your block, however big your block area is. Now your block is, <laughs> your block is a big block and it's pretty unpopulated, but you know, <clears throat> for those of us in more urban areas, Go make some friends. Go re go reacquaint yourself with the people you see every single day. And you know that's exactly what I'm telling people. Uh, share your skills. Come together. And if you live in an area, for instance, where they have a great growing season, we have a mutual friend in Florida, and I, I told them, you know, get together in your community. Florida actually, the state legislature had to make a statewide ban on municipalities prohibiting people from growing vegetable gardens in their front yards for crying out loud. I said, get some raised beds, you know, plan in a community who's going to grow what share. You mentioned physicians. If there's a physician in your neighborhood, Hey, we got your back. You handle the medical. Uh, we've got this other stuff. We will take care of all the other things. You don't have to worry about security. You don't have to worry about food. Find a carpenter, find a plumber, find somebody that can work with electricity, find someone that likes to cook. You know, everybody has something to offer. I think the positive side of this is that people are reaching out and actually being nicer to each other and coming together and working with one another. At least that's what I'm seeing among um, my friends and my community here, as well as actually when I was traveling at the airport, people were remarkably supportive of each other. And uh, maybe some good will come of this and we can resist the uh, government's attempts to put their boot and stomp all this down. I really think they are trying to isolate us. And what happens when people are isolated? They turn to their television and they're watching TV and there's more of this of this fear mongering. And now they're enclosed and susceptible to this without any kind of influence to say, hey, wait a minute. Let's back off a little bit. And that's exactly why podcasts like this and what we're doing is so important. Well, it's, you know, I didn't come up with the idea, but somebody else observed that this is divide and conquer. Oh, absolutely. Stay in your houses. Stay away from people. And and I there are friends of mine that I see on Facebook who are, I, I think that they mean well, but they're just full in on... You know, the National Institutes of Health and the World Health Organization, it's not that they have necessarily bad information. They might actually have good information. But I think that information comes with a propaganda attachment that, if, that it's difficult sometimes to discriminate what's necessary from what isn't necessary. And it, it isn't easy, and I don't claim to have any great crystal ball to reveal what is and what is not. I don't have that knowledge. I'm not that smart, but 
I'm pretty sure that this is what's going on because governments have proven that they can't be trusted. So, and and the media as well. They join in this. They join in this by omitting facts. I had a girlfriend that is in the Seattle area call me yesterday, and she was terrified of being in the state of Washington. And I said, "Don't you understand that that hot spot in Washington took place in a nursing, you know, skilled nursing facility?" And then, you know, you had, she had mentioned Italy, and I said, "Yeah, they're having some significant struggles." But the real story is that people aren't telling you is a, a significant number of these they're dealing with tuberculosis already over there. So, how well do you think somebody that has tuberculosis is going to weather a respiratory virus? of this magnitude. So they're not telling you about these pre-existing conditions, how people are already either elderly or significantly compromised uh, with their immune systems already. Uh, That doesn't calm people down and that's not good for ratings, but she was genuinely surprised because she'd heard nothing about that. Yeah, there was, there's two examples about that. One was an email I got uh, and you probably did too. Um, talking about the, the headline of a New York newspaper read something to the fact that a 20-year-old dies from coronavirus. And in paragraph 9, we learn that this patient had pneumonia. And in paragraph 10, he had leukemia. So it's, <laughs> it's, the, the fear is easy to produce, and the facts are hidden if they're there at all. The other one is a picture I saw of, uh, online of a news reporter in full hazmat gear being uh, talking, a reporter talking into the camera, and the cameraman is not in full <laughs> hazmat gear. So it's it's like those reporters in the hurricane sitting in the canoe when the canoe is in an inch of water and the people walk behind her. <laughs> it's like you don't believe everything you think, people. Or, or the guys that are leaning into the wind like they're about to be blown off of their feet, and then you see people in the background casually walking, and their clothes aren't even yeah. flashing in the way. I mean, yeah. You know, fear and panic make for great ratings, and we need to just understand that the news media conglomerates are really about making a profit and aren't a trusted source for the public. Again, that's why us alternative sources are so valuable, but also why, you know, the tech giants are trying to hide our message because they don't want an educated population. uh, population. I just saw in my news feed, it was uh, Mark Zuckerberg with the, I think it was uh, head of HHS. He was the guy that was talking about um, the the benefits of having your medical information on the cloud so you can take it with you. So these are people that are not looking out for our best interests at all. And that's why they want to hide our messages. Well, it's it's the fact that they can do that with some ease is quite irritating. And that's that's a great concern. And, and it should be concerned to lots of people who, once they realize that it is not in their best interest for these conveniences, um, to resist them. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. This has been a lot, and and the whole thing is a lot. And it it seems it's it seems like I've I've sort of applied the phrase of one-upsmanship to this because there doesn't really seem to be at the government level, state or national. I don't want to say national, state or or country, um, any, any actual discriminating thinking. It's all just follow the leader and, oh, well, they said 25 people. Pfft, watch this. I'm going to say 10 people. Uh, no, no, no. We'll say eight people. It's just that the whole thing is just, it's, it's, how, it's 
it's not really virtual signaling, but it is kind of a competition. How much more can you care by giving an order of exclusion? So I'm, it's, it's just there's the, the panic is the real disease here. And that's, that's just awful because when you're left in your house all by yourself and nothing to see, but the things that they're showing you, panic and just this overwhelmed fear is an easy solution to reach. Oh, this is terrible. We're all going to go die. Well, it's probably not really true. So the getting, getting out of the illegitimate media and finding the decentralized kinds of information is helpful, but they're not making it easy. That part's true. So if the interwebs are correct, and we've talked about this, the major virus happens every election cycle, which right now is probably not more than three years away. So just as a recap, once things get back to as close to normal as is possible, or as much as they'll let, what's a good plan for people to start getting ready since we're kind of in the middle of it, and a lot of people have been caught unawares, and this was this came on fast. So once we get through this, uh, do you have some idea? Can they make a list? How should they approach planning for the next one that comes so that it isn't a panic mode, but we can do this in a methodical and logical and orderly sense. Again, like you said, start this methodical, uh, orderly, what's going to impact you the most. I always tell people have supplies. Don't wait till you're about to run out on one item before you go get others. So I had come back from my trip in Tennessee to a bathroom full of paper towels and toilet paper. And somebody, when I mentioned that, said, thank you for buying it all up. Excuse me, I had it months ago. So think about what you're going to need long term. Uh, when I went, you know, for over the past few years, buy something extra. So I've got stored extra laundry detergent, things that I don't have to buy right now. Imagine if you can't go out, and this is what we've been seeing. I said, think about if you can't leave your house for a month. What are you going to need? What are you going to miss? Stock up on the basics. Plan your food. Take this downtime now also while everybody's socially distancing. Turn off the news and maybe get on YouTube and look up how to learn some skills. Research gun safety. Research different firearms. What might be best for you? Find a firearms instructor and maybe book some time over the phone with one of them. Uh, think about, uh, learn more about preparedness. On my website, again, SuzanneCSherman.com, I have a suggested reading page. Great book about disaster preparedness for the family available there. A lot of also great books about the proper role of government. Think about food preservation. Think about how you're going to be storing these. Think about your pets, what you're going to do in the long run. What if there is a long-term collapse? What are you going to do with your dog? What are you going to do with your horses? Repurpose your animals. Train them for what might you might need them to do in a disaster situation. There's so much you can do. And I think now, based on what we've had happen, People are going to expect food uh, shortages. And uh, again, learn about that. Learn a little bit maybe about raising chickens, if you can have chickens where you live. Learn about processing meat, hunting, that sort of thing. There is so much to learn. Start with what makes you comfortable. Get out of your comfort zone and learn something a little bit new after that. And uh, just think of this as a positive. It's you know being prepared and prepared in its lifestyle 
has with it a lot of really fun hobbies. Your kids are home, involve them in that. A lot of people are living where you can have a garden. Start a garden right now. You can probably go get seeds somewhere. So make the most of this time. And a message to the parents, I just sent out one on my sites today, uh, whose kids are home with them. Don't grumble, don't be negative, because they're going to feed on that and not feel like their presence is appreciated in the home. Take the time to enjoy. The birds are still singing. The sun is shining. Get out in the outdoors and, and make the most of the time you have available and plan ahead. But again, do so based on optimism, not fear. Right. Well, and so in case something else happens, but even if it doesn't, getting outside now that spring and summer is coming, learning how to cook on a hearth. Build a hearth in your backyard yeah. and learn how to cook your meats out there. Learn some basic butchering skills. Now, chickens and any, whether it's a chicken or a quail or a turkey, it's all the structure is exactly the same. It's just bigger or smaller. Um, there's, and I know there's YouTube content about that. There's, and this is, this is, if nothing else happens, you've learned a great weekend or weekday skill of having fabulous barbecue outside. So there's upsides to learning these skills. Uh, gardening is a good one. Um, there's lots of ways to do that. And I've seen seeds at my local grocery store, which, you know, <clears throat> while we were talking, uh, we had to interrupt for a phone call from my wife that said the grocery store is getting a truck of food and there's a line of people waiting to get it and that they closed the store with no food. Now, I don't know how much hyperbole is involved in that, but there's certainly there's a lesson in economics there about pricing, but that's another show as well. So there's things to learn. There's things to absorb and skills to have. And once you learn to do that hearth grilling, go invite your neighbors over, get some roasted corn. And this, you know, there's, there's ways to make positive out of this. I think that that's really a good point. There's finding, finding a way to invent positivity or just legitimately go find it, but it's not going to fall in your lap because there's too much the negativity right there foisted in front of you. And pretty much, I don't, I'm not on all the social media, but on Twitter and on Facebook, there's just a lot of bad. So you have to look for the good and maybe just go make it and get off the social media. Yeah. And also take some time for self-care. If, if this hasn't taught you what's going on right now, the importance of having a really nice uh, savings account in the Good Health Bank. This should support your immune system. If you're smoking, stop. If you're really overweight, you know, lose that weight, get in shape. Take this time to start working out at home. On my Facebook page, Suzanne Sherman, I am posting videos from my boxing gym. The trainers are up there and have a video out there. Every day I'm going to be posting one. Take some time for self-care. That way, if something like this happens, you're not going to be the one at risk. Or if something happens and you're going to be in a bit of a, a stressful situation physically, maybe you're in a in a, a caught out somewhere where you shouldn't be, you're going to be stronger. Get out there, go for walks, start running, do these things, take care of yourself, take some time for meditation, other spiritual growth as well. We have the time use it wisely don't 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 sit in front of the idiot box and listen to the clowns on the mainstream media yapping at you hmm well that's sage advice no matter what's going on in the world right okay well i think that we have covered this pretty well i'm going to leave a link to your uh 
pages, Suzanne C. Sherman and the Red Hot Chili Prepper, <laughs> which I think is really fun. I'll put those on today's show notes page, com slash 80, and we'll be ready to rock and roll. Thank you for your time today. Always enjoyed it. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. I wanted to ask you, what's coming up in season in Utah for hunting? Uh, right now, I guess turkey season's going to be coming up. And, nice. and then I guess we'll start again in the late summer with archery season for deer and then going through elk, moose, that sort of thing. But right now we're taking a little bit of break right now. I think it's open season on anybody wanting to gather in a large group. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like turkey wing confit is up on the menu soon. <laughs> I've got three roosters ready to process if anybody wants to come join the fun. <laughs> Mm, so fried chicken at Suzanne's house is what you're saying. Probably. <laughs> or if they're well, if they're really old, it's going to be Cocovan. Well, each is even better, actually. So I'd prefer that more. So <laughs> I've been craving chicken and dumplings myself. But anyway, I appreciate your having me back on. Sorry, I digressed. <laughs> well, and that you can probably put up. So, all right. Well, thank you again. I'm going to let you run and have a good weekend. Thank you. All right, folks. That's going to do it. I'll have Suzanne's blog link and her prepper page, Red Hot Chili Prepper, on the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 80. On that show notes page, I'll also include a link to the Prepper's Long-Term Survival Guidebook on Amazon. One important issue Suzanne and I didn't discuss was hygiene. How to stay clean and healthy in challenging times. Now, I know there is a doom and gloom about such titles and topics, but knowing how to tend to your family's needs is important. Consider it training for the next event, a hurricane or an earthquake, which she just mentioned they had in Utah, or a virus or who knows what it is. Being ready is better than not being ready. Have a good week. Keep your wits and your humor. Laugh a little bit. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcatcher you use, and I'll see you next week. Music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.